Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. What's going on, Centerpoint Church? What's going on, Centerpoint Church? There we go. Families in the building, families in the building. I got my, my youth peeps over here. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you, John. That's John. Uh, we're, pray for him. Pray for, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, really excited to be here with you guys. My name is Aaron. I have the privilege of being the youth pastor here at Centerpoint um, and also the privilege of getting into the word this morning. I believe God's got a word for us this morning to step into you. Are you guys excited for the word of God? Yes, so good, so good. We're in this series called Fresh Fire. Everyone say Fresh Fire. fire. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got some fresh fire on you. Now turn to your other neighbor that you rejected and say, you've got some fresh fire on you too. Don't worry. Beautiful. And uh, this morning, this morning we're going to be talking about passion. We're going to be talking about passion, what it looks like to have passion for God and actually how to build a healthy fire, how to build passion in our lives. I'm really excited to speak on this topic because I'm a passionate guy. Um, About 10 or 11 years ago, I actually, you know, I met Jesus um, for the first time. I was caught up in a lot of addictions, caught up in a lot of partying, seeing a lot of insecurity, a lot of thoughts that I didn't want to have, a lot of uh, suicidal thoughts, uh, suicidal ideations, you name it. I had it going on inside of me. And I had a radical encounter with Jesus at a youth group. Thank God. Uh, I had a radical encounter with Jesus and Jesus came to me and literally showed me how much he loved me. And I couldn't do anything else but say, my life is forever yours. And uh, for the last 11 years, I've been pursuing Jesus, seeking Jesus, running after Jesus, because I recognize the goodness of who he was. And when you see Jesus for who he actually is, you can't help but give your whole life to him. It's just, there's something about Jesus. And um, I ended up going to APU, go Cougs, uh, APU, Azusa Pacific University, studied Bible there and music. And, and when I first got there, I was led, um, I, I went to one of those kind of weekend trips, right? Uh, weekend trip where you kind of see the school and stuff like that. My parents brought me and I was so fiery for Jesus. I had just learned that Jesus could heal people. Hello, right? I had just learned that. So I was literally like praying for our tour guide. I was like praying for people that were on crutches. I was just like, I was, I was just a Jesus freak, right? I was just like, ah, right? I was so excited. And I came in with that same passion in freshman year of college. And what I would do um, is we had this APU prayer chapel And at this APU prayer chapel, I would go to class and I would regularly, maybe three, four times a day, just go into this prayer chapel to spend time with Jesus, right? To open up the word, kind of cultivate the faith, sit in his presence. Sometimes I would literally just go into the prayer chapel, lay on the floor and say, Holy Spirit, come, right? I just wanted to encounter Jesus, right? And I would do that and people would walk into the prayer chapel and then lo and behold, they would start crying and I would kind of peek up my eye and be like, okay, it's game time, Jesus, right? Go pray for them, right? And then by the end, they were like, thank you, would weep and then walk out and I'd be like, yeah, God, right? I was super excited. It was like the best evangelism tool. I just sat in a prayer chapel, right? 
And so one day I was going to the prayer chapel, it was after class, and I was probably skipping, right, to the prayer chapel. I was excited about going to meet Jesus, because Jesus is actually exciting, he's not boring, okay? Actually spending time with him isn't a burden, it's a privilege, right? It's a beautiful thing. And I was probably being happy or whatever. I got in the prayer chapel about five minutes in, campus safety comes into the prayer chapel, right? So I'm sitting down, and, I, like, and they, they look at me, and they say, can you come with us, please? And I was like, okay, sure. And so I went outside and I'm kind of, I'm standing in front of them. They kind of walk outside and then turn this way. So I'm standing by the prayer chapel looking at them right here. And they say, we got word that somebody was intoxicated going into the prayer chapel. And it was like, it was like one of those Acts 2 moments, you know, when the, when the Holy Spirit falls and everyone's like, no, they're just drunk on new wine, right? And Peter has to say, like, they are not drunk as you suppose. So I stood in front of him and I said, I am not drunk as you suppose, right? I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't say that. I wish I said that. I really wish I said that. But... But they, they came up to me and they said, we got word that someone was intoxicated. What's going on, sir? Are you intoxicated going to the prayer chapel? And I looked at him and I did say this. I said, no, that's just the Holy Spirit. That's just the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when he falls on me, there's a joy that bubbles up inside of me. Sometimes I start skipping. Sometimes I start laughing. Sometimes I start jumping. Sometimes I start singing because God's just really, really good. I'm not drunk as you suppose, sir. <laughs> And he, and he looks at me, one of the guys, because it was like three guys. Apparently, I'm a very, you know, scary, yeah, menacing, scary-looking guy, okay? Long hair, hippie-looking guy, no shoes on, right? They had three guys, and one of the guys looks at me after I said, that's the Holy Spirit. And he said, man, I want that. But then I said, okay, well, can I pray for you? And he goes, no, 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 no. Like, like I had a loaded gun inside my thing. Like I was about to do something, right? He goes, no, 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 no. And I was reminiscing on this story. And how many times does God provide an opportunity to encounter him, to be filled with his fire, to be filled with his passion, to come to us and say, hey, let me just touch you in this way. Let me just come in this moment. And we go, no, 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 no. I'm on the clock. No, 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 no. I'm a little too busy. No, 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 no. Jesus is like, I want to encounter you. I got work today, Jesus. No, 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 no. I'm too young. I'm too old. I got to figure this out in my life first. I got to get rid of this sin first. That makes me feel uncomfortable. No, 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 no. And how many times does God want to do something in our lives and actually light us up with passion and because of whatever reason, own insecurities, own busyness, preoccupation on something, something that's going on inside our head, we go, no, 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 no. Jesus wants us to be passionate lovers of his presence. We have to provide the space in our hearts to actually be a landing pad for that presence to fall and move through us. You with me, church? Now, we are talking about passion, right? But I'm, not, I'm just going to say this before we even get into it. I'm not coming for any of you, okay? Maybe a couple of you. I'm not coming for any of you because the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is every single one of us has a different worship expression. 
You guys don't have to worship like me or Pastor John or, or Pastor Ann or Brenda. You don't have to worship like somebody else who's super expressive and vibrant in order to have a deep and rich relationship with Jesus. Some people worship like this and like this. And they worship and they actually connect with God better when they sit down. But let me tell you something. There's a difference between passion and apathy. So let me explain this, okay? This right here in worship, thank you, God. You're amazing, God. Thank you. Quiet worship. Looks a lot differently than this. There, you're doing another song? Oh, she's going to flow. Oh, whenever they start singing some, the lyrics, I don't know. I don't participate. So. There's a difference between this, thank you, Jesus, and this. Passion is different than apathy. It doesn't matter what your worship style is. You don't need to be like me in worship. You don't need to necessarily be jumping and dancing, although it's really fun. You don't necessarily need to be shouting and doing all that stuff. But let me tell you something. Passion looks like a heart that is in, that is aligned with the heart of Jesus. It doesn't look like a heart that's on the sidelines just overlooking everybody else. And sometimes, most of the times when we're on the sidelines, we get to judge everybody else without actually stepping in. It looks like a heart that's aligned with Jesus. And when we get our hearts aligned with Jesus, we provide a landing strip for the holy fire of God to come. So we're going to be talking about passion. And the title of my message is How to Build a Healthy Fire. I want you to walk away from this place knowing I can build this. I can do this in my life. I can leave this place and know that I can fill my life with passion for God. So you guys with me? So... I heard this phrase uh, often, it's actually a scripture verse, and it's often, I heard it a lot in church, and it would be often used to basically tone down those people that were really, really passionate. The verse goes like this, they have zeal for God, but without knowledge. Anybody heard that verse before? They have zeal for God, but they have knowledge, which most of the time we would use to say to people, they got a lot of passion, but they're really uncomfortable. Or they got a lot of heart for Jesus, great job, okay? But they probably don't know how hard the world is, otherwise they wouldn't be so happy. <laughs> right? They got zeal for God. Hey, you got a lot of zeal. Hopefully you get some wisdom and actually some brains in the noggin, right? In other words, hey, why don't we tone it down? You're a little too passionate, a little too loving, a little too crazy after this Jesus guy. Why don't we just simmer down and tone it down? So I want to go into the actual context of that verse, because I think it actually says the exact opposite. I don't think it's a toning down of passion. It's actually the birthplace of it. So we're going to go. If you would turn to Scripture, Romans chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. Who's got their Bibles with them this morning? Come on. You got your phones. Beautiful. Thank you, Cliff and Antoinette. Modeling the 21st century Bible. This is beautiful. Or it'll be up on the sky Bible for you. But we're going to be in Romans chapter 10, verse 1 through 4, and also I'm going to be reading after second, uh, out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. So you can also turn there, put whatever these things are called, the little placeholders in your Bible, and, uh, and we'll be good to go. But it says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, 
You guys ready for the word? We're ready, Jesus. It says, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God. Other translations say what zeal they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. This is the verse right here. They have zeal for God, but it's without knowledge. The way the NLT puts it is that they have enthusiasm for God, but it's misdirected zeal. This is why though, this is the context of the scripture. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Ah. What's the context of this verse? It's not about toning down your passion or your joy. Otherwise, somebody better tell David to tone it down. Oh, wait, somebody did. It was his wife, Michael, and that led to barrenness for her. Paul was a very passionate dude. If you're killing people (laughs) because of what you believe, you're passionate. But it's misdirected. He had zeal for God, zeal to follow God's law, but he allowed God's law to trump God's love in how he saw people. And even his zeal for God ended up becoming a curse because love couldn't make its way through his own view of the law. So this is not about toning down joy, toning down passion. It's actually saying to us that the birthplace of passion is believing the gospel. Believing the gospel. Because Paul was was walking after this and he had passion for God, but he understood it to be that he was pleasing God based on his attempts to follow the law. And that ended up bringing death into his own heart and that was manifested in his actual life towards physical death towards other people. And what happens is when we actually submit to the law and actually believe that the gospel is trying to please a God who's already pleased with us through Jesus, we end up submitting to something that actually brings death in our lives and will bring death to other people around us. But the truth, the good news of the gospel is that we are forgiven. We are forgiven not based on our own efforts, not based on how good we are, not based on what we could do, not based on whether or not you sinned last night and you feel dirty this morning. Guess what? The blood of Jesus calls you clean. David says this, the first thing I believe that the first thing, if you want to build a healthy fire in your life, you got to believe the gospel. You might be saying to me, Aaron, that's the very reason I'm here is because I believe the gospel. (laughs) Do we though? Watch this, Psalm 32, verse one through two. David says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. 
Dude, the first three parts of that, I got so excited when I was reading. Wow, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt and also lived in complete honesty. Oh no, I don't live in complete honesty sometimes. I don't live in complete honesty sometimes. Sometimes I, sometimes I lie to myself. Sometimes I deceive myself. Sometimes I feel like I have to deceive other people and show them to be that I'm a different person than I really am. Sometimes I feel I don't live in complete honesty. And God's saying, hey, guess what, buddy? You're focusing on you again. Look, the first things, I'm like passionate for God. You forgave me? My record's cleared? This is amazing. Oh, wait, I don't live in God's all, you're focusing on you again, missing the gospel again, because the last time I heard the gospel has nothing to do with me. You know what complete honesty is? Going before the Father with everything inside of you, dirty, messed up, every single brokenness, and saying, hey, God, I come to you bare. I can't do this without your grace. I can't do this without your grace. Hey, God, it's not about, oh, I have to live perfectly, morally perfect. I have to be honest in every situation. You know what the honesty he's looking for is, God, I need help. God, I need your help. God, I need your grace to help me live this thing out. And in that state of grace is where we see that sin is gone. Jesus accomplished something very, very powerful through the cross of Jesus Christ. He accomplished something very, very powerful, and it was right relationship with himself. You want to know what the birthplace of passion is? It's right relationship with God. You might be saying, what's right relationship? Right relationship with God is the relationship that Jesus had with God. Now, Jesus, he was baptized, and then the Father speaks and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. God was pleased with God. Through Jesus, he lived out a perfect relationship with God, died on the cross so that he could bring us into the same relationship he had with the Father. So how right are you with God if you believe in Jesus? Just as right as Jesus was with God. When I was in college and I got a grasp, a, a glimpse of this message of righteousness, that it's not based on my own efforts or what I can achieve, what I can accomplish to work my way into heaven, but actually heaven came down, made its home in me, started transforming me. The passion bubbles inside my heart just started to flow. Rivers of living water started coming out of my belly, coming out of my heart. I couldn't contain the passion coming out of me because Jesus says that I'm good. Thank God, I've been trying to make myself good all my life. I've been trying to be good enough all my life. I've been trying to prove myself to people all my life. And then he just comes along and says, hey, guess what, buddy? You're approved of already. <gasps> For real. <laughs> right relationship with God is the birthplace of passion. He casts our sins as far as the east is to the west. California to New Jersey, it's about 3,000 miles. That's sin, pretty far away, east coast, west coast. California to London, 5,000 miles. That's even further, okay, east to west, or west to east, okay, that's good. California to the furthest place from California, Marsutius, I looked it up, 
okay? I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Marsuti is something like that. Island off of South Africa, 11,500 miles. Wow, that's pretty far. That's a long plane, right, to get to my sin. <laughs> Try universe to universe. You see, if we're going to actually read scripture, we have to read it in God's way. It's God's east and God's west. It's God's east and God's west. That means the stretch of the universe to the east all the way to the stretch of the universe is west. So that is how far our sins have been cast out from us. That means sin ain't touching me. It ain't close to me. It's nowhere near you. If you are covered by the blood of Jesus, sin doesn't have a hold on you. The power has been stripped. The old sinful you has been crucified with Christ and you've been raised to new life with him. Come on, it's the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus. Never again do we have to live in shame, guilt, and condemnation because he speaks a better word. <sighs> he who is forgiven much loves much. And that doesn't mean you need a better testimony. I just feel like if I sinned more in the past, I would love God more now. I wish I was the partier and a drunk before I met Jesus. I would love him more. I've always been a Christian. I don't have a testimony. It's not about that. He who is forgiven much, it means you recognize how much you've been forgiven and that his mercies are new every day and that every day you don't have to live according to your sin and your guilt or your shame. You get to live according to what he says about you. And who he knows, who's aware of how much he's been forgiven, loves much. The birthplace of passion is right standing with God. Yay! Is right standing with God. So you want to build a healthy fire. You believe the gospel. You start there. You believe the gospel. But then once that fire comes, the flame of God comes you actually have to tend to the flame. You have to tend to the flame. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, I remember your genuine faith. He's talking to Timothy. Is Paul talking to Timothy. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you, this is for us. I want you to step into the scripture right now. This is why God is reminding us, this isn't just to Timothy, it's for us. He's reminding us to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Fan into flames. What is that saying? God's calling us to do something. A lot of us are asking for the fire of God to come in our lives. I want to be passionate about Jesus. I want to love Jesus with all my heart. I want to go after him. I want to be filled with the same passion I see in, in that person or that person or that pastor or, or this teacher I listen to. I want to be filled with the same passion. And we love to say, man, I want that. But sometimes we aren't even willing to set up the kindling necessary for the flame of God to be sustained in our lives. 
saying, God, come do something in my marriage. Do something in my home. Do something in my family and my kids. God, I need the fire of God to come. And God's asking us, where exactly do you want me to land? Because if I send my power, you'll be filled with my power, but it won't be sustained because your lifestyle doesn't actually have the wooden kindling to sustain the flame I would send. I felt like a spoken word poetry artist when I said that. That was good stuff. (laughs) They use their hands so much, yeah. Flames of God ignite. Feel our hearts tonight. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's the daytime. Doesn't make sense. All right. What is the kindling? (laughs) What is the kindling that I'm talking about? What are the what's the wood that I'm talking about for the flame of God to come? I'm talking about simple things. It's not big things, it's simple things like talking to God. AKA parentheses prayer. It's worship. It's actually opening up this book, opening up the Bible and allowing the words to transform you. It's being around like-minded people who are also passionate and fiery in community to actually get some of their fire onto you and get burned up by them as well. It's about stepping onto a team and actually serving. And when you pour out, the biblical principle is you get back in full. Some of us are waiting for God to fill us. He's saying, go pour out and you'll get filled. (laughs) And I think my favorite thing is it's really just invitation of Jesus into every part of your life. I'll tell you what it looks like for me. It means when I wake up and I open up my eyes like this, that's how I wake up. Okay. When I wake up in the morning, Most days, I would say most often days, if I'm being honest, my first words out of my mouth are, good morning, Jesus. And then I reach for my phone, and I've been doing the Bible reading plan or whatever, and I open it up, I read three, four chapters of scripture, get in, I'm in Deuteronomy, yeah. It's actually really good. Old Testament's dope. I'm reading Deuteronomy, I read three, four chapters, and then I put my phone down after I read it, and I just literally, I wake up slow, I lay in my bed and just say, Jesus, just come and rest on me. Then I go, get ready, take a shower. Guess what? If you shower, you have time for Jesus. Shower, I swear, the most spiritual encounters happen in the shower. I don't know what it is, because I'm naked or something. It just, he just comes. I'm open, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to say that, John. All right, but, right? <laughs> if you got time to shower, if you bathe, you got time for Jesus. I get in the shower, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in my shower. You flood this place. You get in the shower, get out of the shower, dry off. I'm getting ready to get in my car. Hey, Jesus, I love you. I'm going to work, right? Get into my work. I sit down on my desk before I do any work. God, thank you. You're so good. Please bless my work. Fill it with your presence, God. I get on my computer. I start working mid, mid while I'm working. I've been working for an hour. I just pause. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're amazing. You're incredible. God, come and fill my office. I love you. You're incredible. I love you. You got time to work, you got time for Jesus. 
Sometimes we think it has to be this big, grandiose thing. I got to go to this conference. I got to go to this event. I got to go to Seek Week in order to get the flame of God, the fire of God, and the kindling in my life. But it's not about that. There is a serious law of compound interest in the kingdom. My stepdad taught me this. He's like a financial advisor. He said, Aaron, you got to get a Roth IRA. Got to start putting in money for your retirement. I was like, Dad, I'm 23, you know? He's like, that's the perfect time to start. Because he taught me a principle. He said, you put in money. He had this calculator thing, right? And we would do different, you know, if you put in this much money a month, when you're 65, you'll have $4.8 million. And I'm like, really? (laughs) People are going to ask me for money. Right, I'm getting all excited about it because he said this. He said, statistically, right, it increases. There's this law of compounding interest, 12% every year, and that's historically accurate. So you put in all this money. You only put in $300 a month. You'll actually have this when you're 65 because something small that's done over time, over a period of time, yields exponential growth. What's the spiritual principle here? Five minutes every day over a length of time creates passion at an exponential growth. It's not about you needing four hours in the day to connect with Jesus. It's five minutes here, five minutes here, little snack of Jesus here, little snack of Jesus here. You're just eating all throughout the day. And that consistency over time yields exponential growth in the fire that's burning inside of you. It's little things. Jesus is so good. He doesn't make it complicated. But when we set up wood, it's important to set up those little things for wood. And oftentimes we're waiting for other people to set it up for us. Come to Seek Week. It's like, it's all set up. The place, the the encounter, the worship, the word, the church service, everything is set up for the kindling to be. And we just love the prepackaged little things. But then you leave this place, all of that's gone, and then the fire of God doesn't have a place to land. So we have to set up our own wood, our own kindling, to be able to sustain the power and the flame of God. But then we also need to focus, it's not just about getting wood onto your fire or kindling on your fire. It's the quality of the wood that makes the difference. I was looking up firewood because I was speaking on, you know, the fire of God. So you look up weird things when you're preparing a message. And I was looking up firewood. I got onto this firewood site and the spirit of God came right through Google. <laughs> and on the site, it said this. Simply put, The quality of your fire comes down to the quality of your wood. And I was like, my God. That's a good word. The quality of my fire comes down to the quality of my wood. That means I could set up kindling, I could set up wood, but I could allow, right, some wood, when you burn it, it produces smoke, It doesn't burn for a long time. It's not very hot because it gets wet. It gets resin covered. It gets soft. It gets dirty. It gets moldy. Mold starts growing in there. So we got to make sure not just only that we're laying wood, but that the wood that we're laying isn't dirty, wet, soggy, and moldy. 
So what's something you're like, okay, I get it, no moldy wood. We allow our wood and our kindling to get moldy when we see somebody be passionate for Jesus who we don't know and we immediately judge them and put a label on them based on how they worship and express themselves to God. And that goes both ways. That person's really loud, kind of annoying. They have zeal for God, but not a lot of wisdom on how loud they're yelling. (laughs) Wish someone told them that. Okay. Not going to talk to them. Come on. Is that not a word of a correction for some of us? Or the opposite. Wow, I'm going up here. I'm so passionate. I'm full of Jesus. And then looking at those people up in the risers, I'm always in the front row. That's where the glory sits. People all the way up in the risers, they obviously don't know what really experiencing God feels like. And we're looking at other people, judging other people based on nothing. And what happens is we think that we're being spiritual when we're doing that, but really we're just allowing mold to grow in our kindling. Comparison, that's another one. Looking at another person and judging where you sit compared to where they are. They're more passionate than me. They're more loving of Jesus than me. Man, they really have a gift of teaching or a gift of worship leading, and I just can't sing like that. I can't do that. Guess what? You're allowing fungus to grow in your kindling. Or the other way, I'm so passionate, and that person, they sit down when they worship? God forbid. (laughs) It's kind of real though, right? I can do it too. I'm like, wow, you're really loud. You're really going for it, huh? And I'm the loudest, I feel like, you know. We can't allow that stuff to grow inside of us. You know another big thing that gets mold inside of your kindling is our own feelings. There's a difference between being passionate and feeling passionate. And you don't need to feel passionate for God, to be passionate for God. And some of us are waiting for God to send this goosebump, to send this feeling, and even some of us are relying and basing our relationship with God based on how we felt in the worship set. I just feel like the spirit wasn't there. Why is that? I just didn't feel him. That's actually anti-biblical that he wouldn't show up where there's more than two or three gathered. So... So we're basing our relationship and our connection with God, our passion for God, based on how we feel about how passionate we are for God. But your passion for God doesn't necessarily have to do with you feeling passionate for God. Listen, I love music. I love performing. I love writing songs, actually, but I hate the process. It doesn't feel good to sit down and to rack your brain over lyrics, to try and record something or whatever. It's terrible. I actually hate the process. Love singing, love performing, love doing it. Hate the process. But I love music so much I'm willing to go through the actual process of grinding and sitting and then the the desired product, the actual fruit of that labor that I don't really like so much is actually something that I'm incredibly passionate about. Some of us actually have to start being passionate before we feel it, and in that, you'll start to grow a vibrant fire for God. And this is the biggest one. It's religion. Plain old religion. And those kind, the first ones kind of have to do with it, right? 
You got comparison and judgment. That can all come from religion, right? But 2 Corinthians 3 talks about Moses, right? And Moses goes and he encounters the Lord and his face starts to glow. Because when you encounter Jesus, things start to change. And he comes down to the Israelites and he's like, what's up? I just hung out with God. They were like, put a veil on that face, bro. You are bright, right? Sunglasses on, right? So he puts a veil over his face. It was him receiving the law, the Ten Covenants on Sinai. He had to put a veil over the glory that was on his face. Paul says, because the ministry of the law is called the ministry of death. The ministry of condemnation. And when we live under the ministry of the law, in other words, doing all the rules and regulations in order to please God, who's already pleased with us through Jesus, but trying to attain God's favor through our own efforts, being underneath the law, is actually always going to be a ministry of fading glory. The ministry of the law was always destined to fade. So why do people always need another conference, another, another sermon, another worship set? They need more and more of these different things to fill them, to inject them with Jesus. Oftentimes, it's because what we start in grace and receiving a gift from God, we finish by our own efforts. We receive the goodness of God and we say, thank you, God, for your grace. I didn't do anything to receive it. While I was a sinner, you loved me. And then we get to know God. We submit ourselves to the law and we start trying to please a God who's already pleased with us. If I just do this, you'll be proud of me. If I just do this, and it's often because we're living based on patterns of the world rather than on God's wisdom of what the gospel is. And when you start living under that, it's fading glory. But he says after this, but those who have received this new ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. How do you increase your passion as well? It's probably the same as the first point. We actually believe the gospel and know it's not about us. It's actually about the grace of Jesus that inspires transformation, actually fills us with the fire of God and even allows us to set up kindling in the first place. So you got to tend to your fire. This is the last one. If you want to build a healthy fire, you've got to believe the gospel, the real gospel, right? It's not our efforts that get us there. It's the good news of Jesus. It's the perfectness, the right relationship Jesus had with the Father we have now. And then you got to actually set up kindling, and not just regular kindling, healthy kindling. You can't let judgment and comparison and and condemnation and, and religion to get all fungus in there. And then you have to build a fire with purpose. The purpose of us being passionate is not for a goosebump. And I kind of talked about this a little. It's not for a goosebump. It's not so you feel good. It's not so that other people can see you and say, wow, that person's really passionate. The purpose of passion is the transformation in your own heart and the transformation of people around you. Because there's a very particular quality of fire, and it's this. What fire gets around, it ignites. It's very simple, (laughs) though. What fire gets around, it ignites. That means if you burn for God and set up a healthy fire in your life and you build up passion, what happens is that fire becomes contagious to the people around you. 
That fire becomes contagious. And so we have to see that with the end in mind that my passion is not so that people can appreciate me and say, you're so passionate and you just love Jesus and it's amazing. And I'm like, thank you so much for telling me how cool I am. That's not the purpose. It's not so I could be seen. It's not so I could just be a wild guy. It's so it's for the sake of me being transformed by Jesus. Seek him with your whole heart and you will find him. So I can be changed and then people around me can be changed. The whole purpose of my life is that heaven would get into me and flow through me to other people. That the fire of God would ignite me and because I'm ignited, the people around me get lit up as well. A fire brings warmth. It brings light brings comfort, and if we have passion without love, guess what Paul would call that? You're a clanging gong, crashing cymbal. God asked me this question a while ago. It was a correcting question for me. He said, what if the passion that you have for me is actually smoke in other people's eyes? Where's the worst place to be around a campfire? Wherever the smoke is, right? You're trying to get away, trying to get around it. The wind changes. You're like, gosh, (laughs) trying to get away from the smoke, right? It's terrible to be around a fire when it's smoking in your eyes. He said, what if the fire that you have, this this is what happens when we forget love and we get really passionate but don't have the wisdom to see the person in front of us. Our fire for God ends up being smoke in other people's eyes. What am I talking about? You go up to somebody, they're struggling. They say, man, I'm just struggling with fear. And you say, you haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Pretty passionate. Is it a scripture? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. But guess what? Your passion for God just became smoke in that other person's eyes. Because you weren't actually willing to actually listen to somebody. You just put a spiritual stamp on top of their circumstance and called it love. Man, I'm just struggling with anxiety. The Prince of Peace lives in you. What do you mean you struggle with anxiety? Well, is God the Prince of Peace? Yeah. Does he live inside of them? Yeah. Does he give us peace that surpasses all understanding? Absolutely. But guess what? Your fire that you just had, your flame for God, just became smoke in that other person's eye because you actually weren't willing to actually see the person in front of you and you allowed the passion of God that you have to get in the way of actually seeing the person. What it takes to actually do passion well, build a healthy fire, is to actually listen to the person in front of you. So passionate for God that you can be gentle to somebody that you can care for them, that you can cook them a meal, that you can have a conversation with them, that you're not quick to judge every time they say something that might be anti-biblical. That's not true. That pushes away people like crazy, man. See it all the time. They're going through something. Man, I'm just struggling. Scripture verse, scripture verse, scripture verse. The person gets beat down by the word of God. Have you seen it? Have you felt it? I've felt it. I'm really struggling. Scripture, verse, scripture. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, it's fine, bro. And the fire, the passion, I'm saying that's a good-hearted person. They're not meaning to do that. And I feel this right now. You probably have experienced a person like that, and you even haven't even forgiven that person. Guess what? That person was probably good-hearted. Really? 
They just didn't know how to operate their passion and wisdom and love. And so they expressed passion in a way that was smoke to your eyes and you haven't let them go. You need to let them go. Because they really had a good heart to treat you well. They just didn't know how to do it. This is the last thing I'll say. Since I'm the youth pastor, this is a word to parents. I have a lot of well-meaning, amazing, passionate parents for their kids. And they want their kids to be fixed. I just... I just want them to go to church. I want them to be passionate. When they were younger, they used to have a passion. Now they don't have a passion anymore. And, and they used to go after God, but now they're stuck in all this stuff. And, and I, I need a mentorship program for them. I need them to be counseled. I, I, need, I, need, I need them to be fixed. I need this to be fixed, 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 fixed. The Bible says, train up your child in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. In other words, I would say this. If you burn, your whole house will burn. Oftentimes, we're so focused on the transformation in other people that we want to see that we forget to tend to our own flame and allow that fire to burn in our house. One of the first questions I ask parents that are struggling with their kids is this, how's your flame? How's your fire burning? Are you an example for your kids? What do you model in the home? Because the fire that you want to see in your kids, guess where it starts? It doesn't start with them getting fixed. It starts with us burning for Jesus. And if I burn in my house, my whole house will burn. Sometimes we're trying to hold so tightly to our kids that we end up pushing them away. I just want to protect you. I'm going to make sure all these things are put in place so that you follow the right path. Make sure you're Dang, you better be going to church. You make sure everything's that your community is good, all this stuff. And we suffocate our children to the point where they're like, okay, I'm just going to rebel anyway. I've seen it happen so, so many times. If I could speak just a word from the youth pastor to parents, there's a principle in the kingdom. As you let go, you receive. It happened with me and my little sister. Never pushed her to go to church. Never made her. She didn't want to for a while. Okay, okay. You want to come? No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But what I would do is I would just burn in front of her, and now she's following Jesus like I've never seen before. She's becoming like the director of spiritual life at her college. She's going after Jesus. Not because of trying to force her into a box. And oftentimes we're trying to force people into a box that we want them to be. And actually, instead of actually seeing them being lit on fire, and then that'll catch them on fire. You with me? <clears throat> you got to know the purpose of our fire. The purpose of our passion is to transform others, transform ourselves. We got to set up the right flames. We got to tend to the flame. Make sure that it's all set up right. The kindling's good and healthy. We got to believe the gospel of Jesus the most. Amen? <clears throat> Jesus was passionate about us. They literally call it the passion of Christ. Jesus was so passionate about you and I that he decided, as God, to forsake 
the glories of heaven, the riches of heaven, to become poor, to become a man on the planet, to walk with us in the middle of our suffering. And then to not only to walk with us, but to heal our diseases and heal our infirmities and sit with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors and the worst of the worst. And he came and he actually cut through the religious system at the time to show the actual way of living a life fully devoted to loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. He was the perfect model for us. And then, then, he says, I want so badly for you and I to live together forever that I want to take whatever's separating you, every burden, every disease, every sin from past, present, future for all time. I'm going to take it in the nails, in my wrists, and in my ankles, and I'm going to die a death that we deserved, a sinner's death, even though we had committed no sin. For a people that actually had the choice to follow him or not. You think that's a pretty passionate Jesus? To literally not even knowing if we would choose him or not, getting on a cross and dying for us to show an example of how crazy his love could be for us? Our passion for Jesus is in a response to the passion he had for us. And so I want to encourage this morning two things. We're going to do two things is that I want to invite any of us who have allowed our flame to dwindle to get really small, and maybe it's just embers, maybe it's just ashes, and you need God to relight that thing for you. We're going to have a moment where you can talk to Jesus. Simply pray and say, God, I need your fire again. But you can't have a fire for God without the flame. That's probably the most important part. The actual spirit of God coming. We can build everything, set up everything in our lives real nice, but if you don't have the spirit, the flame of God to come, it's kind of worthless. And so I want to give an opportunity to anybody who's never actually stepped into a relationship with Jesus, who's never said yes to God and said, you know what, I need my sins forgiven. I want to be close to you, Jesus. I want you to reside inside of me. That's the goodness of our God in giving us the gospel is he says, I don't want to just be close to you. I want to live inside of you. I want to make my permanent residence your heart. And so if you don't have that flame, that relationship, it's going to be hard to tend to a flame that you don't have. And so I want to give an opportunity to anybody who's saying, man, I need that flame. I need a relationship with God. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he was real. I believe that he died and he rose again for my sins so that I could have eternal life with him and start that relationship with him. That'll ignite the flame and then you can start doing all the tending stuff. But let's pray. First things first. If you want that flame of God, if you want that passion of God, but you, want, you need a relationship with Jesus first, you've never said yes to Jesus and you want him to come and make his home in your heart. You're asking Jesus, I don't have a relationship with you, but I want a relationship with you. I believe in you, Jesus. I want to step into this thing, Jesus. If that's you and you want to begin that relationship for the first time and say yes to God, receive his forgiveness and his grace through his gospel, if that's you, can you just raise your hand right now in this moment? 
I want you to be bold and raise your hand right here in the back on the right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Keep your hand up. We're going to have somebody pray for you. If you can keep your hand up. Awesome. One in the back. I want to give space for this moment. I don't want to rush it. Set us on fire, set us on fire, Jesus. Anybody else who's saying, I need a relationship with Jesus? Got another hand in the back. Amazing. Amazing. Making the best decision. Come on, right here. Amazing. I feel like there's one more. Go out on a limb here and wait another minute. I don't have an awkward bone in my body. I will wait. Who is it? You know, you need the fire of God to come. You need a relationship with Jesus. Who is it? Yes. Amen. There he is. Amen. Just take your hand and put it on your heart if you raised it. Take your hand and put it on your heart and just say this. Just say, Jesus, I submit to you. I've been doing things my own way, but I want to do them your way. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for resurrecting so that I could have eternal life. Come and make your home in my heart. and Show me how to live for you. I believe in you, Jesus, and I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And one more moment, just one more minute, if I can. If we can keep praying. If you're that person to take this moment to talk to Jesus and say, I want that fire rekindled in my life. You have a relationship with Jesus, but you know you've let it kind of dwindle a little bit. And I just want to take one minute before we get into anything else. I don't want to miss this moment just for you to talk to God. If that flame's dwindling, ask him to send his fire and allow you to have healthy habits and patterns in your life that actually allow kindling and wood for him to come and sustain that fire. Will you stand with me? Talked about some uncomfortable things. We're going to do some uncomfortable things. I need everybody's hands raised like this, and we're going to pray together for the boldness of God to come. Everyone say, Jesus, we need your boldness. We ask that you would send your spirit and set us on fire. We pray for our families that they would catch the fire we have in us and our friends, they would catch the same fire. Build in us healthy habits, God. Build in us healthy patterns. 
Help us create a fire that's sustainable. Move in us, Holy Spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate Jesus? I'm going to worship a little bit. Thank you.